back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes host examine the 1989 Frank Oz-directed comedy Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. I am your, I am this week's host, Bubba Wheat from It's Time to Rewind, and joining me today is Lance Stanford from The Night Nerd. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And once again, also joining me is Roger Wister from uh, Roadhouse Minute. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bubba Weed. How are you? I am doing great. And we are all here discussing Minute 32 of Bowfinger, starting with Kit Ramsey asking if his limo driver's name is Keith and ending on an establishing shot of Stage 24. So um, last week I, I got Lance's background with the movie. And before we start in this minute, Roger, what is your, like, what's your background with the movie? Is it, is it similar to Lance's? I think I've seen it a couple of times. I have a pretty good memory of the movies I've seen. So we rewatched this, uh, my wife, Marcy and I, who, um, who you got a chance to hear earlier um, in some earlier minutes of the movie. Um, we we rewatched it a couple weeks ago, uh, or we rewatched it in order to prepare for uh, our minutes. There were a lot of things that I didn't quite remember, and this movie—I knew this movie was good, um, but I—it was a lot funnier when I rewatched it than I had remembered. There were lots of parts that I had not uh, remembered from the last time I watched it. I think this movie is great. This is one of my favorite comedies. Yeah, that's that's great, and. Uh, like I said, this this minute starts with uh, Kit asking his driver if his name is Keith. <laughs> I yeah. enjoy that. I enjoy that bit so much. Like I feel like just those two lines of dialogue tell you so much about the character of Kit Ramsey. A, he doesn't know the name of his limo driver. B, his limo driver is overwhelmingly flattered that he would even deign to ask him what his name was. And he doesn't know what his name is. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's that was you know almost word for word the exact note that I had written down. This movie is so um, so precise and and so um, economical with its it, with its script. It gets a lot of information out in a very short amount of time, and I said. And just because of the fact that, you know, he says that his name is Jimmy and that, that he's so excited about being noticed. I, I did look him up as an actor and the actor's name, I, I don't, I couldn't find much how, of how to pronounce it, but 
my best shot is Zaid Farid, and he has 51 acting roles on IMDb, mostly as cops, security guards, and other small roles. And yeah, this is just that perfect little moment, just this like, you know, three lines that really encapsulates Kit's personality of someone who would never talk to his driver outside of telling him where they're going or asking him to close close the divider window. I thought it was interesting because um, just before we came onto this, you know, we have that scene where he's in there uh, talking about getting roles and stuff. And he has kind of his entourage, uh, his crew, whatever you want to call it, there in his house with him. And, you know, he knows all them and, through the rest of the movie, you know, we see him with uh, his friend and his bodyguards and everything like that. But for some reason, his driver is just, he he doesn't know or care because that's just the guy who gets him around. And uh, I think that, yeah, like you said, it, it shows that if it's not in his little circle, his inner circle, he just is so self-absorbed um, that he doesn't even take the time to know if it's Jimmy or Keith or whatever. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like his bo- inner circle bodyguards are like Kit's old friends that he got that he got jobs for. Oh, yeah. absolutely. This is definitely a, a a crew type situation. But I just I just think of of like Entourage and you know, Turtle was the driver, his friend was the driver everywhere. And so, you know, if he has friends in every other roles, like why does he not have a friend driving him? But it, it plays for laughs, and I, like I said, I think it's great because it does show the, the difference in, in everything. Well, Lance, I don't know about you. I've got a lot of friends. None of them can drive a limousine. <laughs> so if you have to travel in style everywhere, then you probably have to pay some person that you don't know the name of to take you from place to place. I, I live in Texas, so they all have big trucks and trailers. So they we probably just ride around in a trailer and call it fancy and <laughs> be done with it. Do we think that the limo driver is sincerely happy to get this question? Like, is his smile one of genuine affection or extreme derision? Uh, That's a good question. You know, yeah, is he just like, I got to smile and be happy so I get paid? Or just, again, earlier, not to cramp on other minutes, but he's seen Eddie Murphy throw somebody out of the car just the day before. Um, Or I forget exactly how the timeline works. But, you know, so, yeah, that's a great question. You know, is he afraid he's going to get thrown out or fired or something? So he's just laughing it off or i think i do think it is sincere though um yeah just because i i I can't explain why but he does seem like genuinely uh, to show gratitude that he would even ask what his name is yeah that that was my read on it too like i i didn't i never really got the impression watching it that it was kind of a, a forced gratitude I, I definitely read it as I was watching it as sincere gratitude as someone who's probably a fan of his work, but also as someone, uh, maybe it's, it's, maybe you get a little bit of that forced gratitude because maybe he is kind of on edge because of all that stuff. But I think it's him like having the courage to express his gratitude, it, like kind of, testing the waters like maybe he can get away with showing his gratitude because he asked him his name and so he doesn't think that he's going to get on kit's bad side because he got this you know he got an in with this question this interaction i i mean i think i think i think he's genuinely happy but i also think he's a very good limo driver 
And so I think no matter what his passenger says to him, he's been trained to to say everything with a big grin. And then after this, um, Bowfinger comes out from behind the bushes and does a very dramatic and cut on the side of the street, you know, waving his arms extremely wide in order to remind the audience that Bowfinger is himself playing this role as a successful director to everyone uh, in the bushes behind him, except for Jamie Kennedy's cameraman, who is, for whatever reason, the only character name that I did not write down, because I just see him as Jamie Kennedy, and I, I forget his uh, Gabe, I think it is. Yeah, I think you know, he's doing the overreacting so that way it looks like he's still signaling to um, Kit, you know, and I, and he's just playing playing the role, you know. The we were talking about the layers of this movie, and I think Steve Martin, you know, he has the the layer where I think he knows Jamie Kennedy will only tolerate so much stuff because there's a scene uh, where he's like, "Oh, I'll give you my van." He's like, well, "It's already my van," and <laughs> and so you know he can only he can only play up so much before Jamie Kennedy gets tired, but then he has to play up enough to keep everybody else invested but then also that extra layer to seem like he does know kit uh eddie murphy's character and that he's you know so he, he's juggling a lot of balls at once and uh or i would even say chainsaws at this point but it's it's fun to watch you know because you i don't know about y'all but watching this again only remembering bits and pieces of it i uh i kind of kept waiting for him to just fail spectacularly <laughs> and hey, he he doesn't um and I, I don't know i i thought that's that was an interesting way to show it you know like how he's putting on a show for everybody including himself and it, it works out really well yeah and then after that we cut to the them watching the dailies on the small film monitor to see if the shot worked and everybody there looks excited and anxious, except again for Jamie Kennedy, who has a completely neutral and down to business look on his face while uh, Bowfinger is over his shoulder, you know, doing the come on work, baby. So I have questions. And maybe you did some research about this bubble wheat, or maybe that either or both of you just have more experience with the film industry than I do. Like, A, is this actually what the sort of machine looks like? that you would watch the dailies of if you were making a movie? I think it is. I, I tried, could not find, like I tried, but I couldn't find any information on what people watch the dailies on in the 90s and earlier. It's because now it's everything's all digital. And so you get, you can watch the dailies immediately and it's it's not this much work anymore. Yeah, so in the late 90s, um you were starting to switch over to digital and things a little bit um prior to that you know your dailies your producer director writer everybody would go to a theater at night and watch watch them on the big screen but then as technology got better smaller faster um always makes me think of that song uh but <laughs> it they, they would get more compact where they could watch them almost instantaneously um and they were just like those little screens i've seen now the the actual ones the screens were a little bit bigger a little bit nicer but for for a, a project like this that would totally be something that is um pretty pretty accurate to what they would do is you know they'd have 
and the screen that they watch them on has picture quality and sound quality like this? No. That's, <laughs> that's the, the thing that I find hilarious is like when they when they show the movie that they're watching, it's like a digital quality picture. Like th there's a there's a weird discontinuity between like this device which looks like it was invented in like 1950. The sound of the film, which kind of reminds me of like the film strips that we used to watch in like, you know, middle school. And then you see this picture and it's literally like a digital quality copy of the movie and sound. Well, um, see, that I, I disagree with you there because I looking at the film quality to me, it, it looks low quality to me because I like I see a lot of the, the film artifacts, like all the dirt and hair it looks like you can see a lot of that to me it looks kind of like low quality film rather than like a high quality hollywood production and and on top of that's like the actual filmmaking process like they you can see the camera moves are seem very amateurish like they're very shaky they're not very smooth and you'd probably have headphones too like it it, it wouldn't be on like a loudspeaker like that i, I don't think um, I, uh, I went to film school back in the early aughts. And so it was already kind of digital at that point. Um, but yeah, usually with the smaller ones like that, it's, you know, you, you see on TV now, like where they'll hold up one half the headset to their ear and watch them like, okay, like that would kind of be how it is. But, um, so, so little, little column A, little column B, it's, it's not entirely inaccurate, but it's also not entirely right on a sort of a meta level i love it because i feel like this this is a movie about making a fake movie and i think some of the time sometimes when they put stuff into this movie it's it's also sort of like there are some low budget moments of this movie that are not quite exactly realistic and i think for me that's part and parcel with just kind of the whole conceit of of the movie which is that they're trying to produce this thing on the cheap yeah um you mentioned how everybody watching it, like Jamie Kennedy, was serious. I, if y'all are cool, I'd like to take a second to like talk about him and his character because I would make the argument that he's the most professional person in the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> he's the know. only one with a real job. <laughs> yeah, in, in the industry. Yeah, um, and so you know, with this, you know, Bowfinger has does have some kind of trance, uh, having you know some kind of thing over him that we don't really learn about you know we kind of mentioned how he he's in on it all and we don't really know why like this promise of being a cameraman or something i guess but um it's i think this is a great again a great study of how different his character is from all the other ones i just wanted to see what y'all thought about jamie kennedy in, the, in this film i know roger said you know you, you see jamie kennedy it's jamie kennedy it's the you know uh son of the mask or whatever but, but. <laughs> no 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 yeah. <laughs> i mean my J my jamie kennedy is always randy from scream like i feel like that's sort of his tour de force role yeah but my jamie my jamie kennedy is son of the mask is that is where i i think my head goes to and that awful movie that i've made myself watch more than once <laughs> i mean for me like what what I see of him in this movie and also in the screen movies is he always seems like an actor who's playing someone who's like, who is either the smartest person in the movie or thinks they're the smartest person in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think you get, yeah, I think you get a lot of that in this movie as well. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think, like, I never really watched his show, the Jamie Kennedy experience or whatever that he had. Yeah, experiment. Experiment, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that shows how much I watched it uh, there. But, you know, he's he's one of those people that, I, again, I feel like he's always kind of had a good, he's always been there, but never, with the exception of the kicking an old school movie, you know, and, and Son of the Mask. Um, he's never had like that big or Malibu's most wanted. That was the another one I was thinking about. Yeah, um, I was just gonna mention that one. Have you all ever seen that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I, I don't know if it ages well. Um, but I do remember at the time feeling like it was it was it's like a it's like a poor man's bullworth. Uh it's sort of in that in that universe. Um but yeah. I think he I think he's good in that movie as well. When I think of him, I think of uh Again, working in a Hollywood role in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which like Booger Free, sir, Booger Free Coffee, and <laughs> Chris Rock like slaps it out of his hand and everything. Like, again, that's only a handful of lines, but he he does a great job. Um, and I think this movie, you know, again, this is right right before he started getting those bigger roles and bigger breaks. Well, I guess Scream was before this, but I don't I I don't know. I just again I talked about it with Heather Graham last minute. And Jamie Kinney is one of those people that I'm like, you know, I, I like him enough. I would like to see him in more stuff. And he just hadn't had all the, the opportunities, I guess. Yeah, I think he does this kind of uh, slightly put upon character pretty well. I mean, he's not the he's never really the focus. He's just kind of an average guy. And I think he handles that in this movie really well. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. He's clearly a very busy actor. He seems like someone who's kind of very happy working in sort of like a, on on lower level projects. Like I, we don't really have character actors anymore, but I feel like yeah, he's kind of like the modern equivalent of a character actor almost. Mm. Which, you know, a working actor that's doing his thing and like you said, looks appears to have fun with it. So he appears to be really comfortable with a lot of things you would find on Adult Swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that makes sense to me. One other thing that's that I did notice as as I'm kind of um, going back and forth through the footage, I I think they did a good job of matching the camera movements of what we saw in the last minutes as we saw it from a different angle. But I do think that this was taken from a different take because I'm like going back and through and watching Heather Graham's movements. And I don't think they a hundred percent match up, but they are pretty close, which I think it's understandable that this was probably a different take, but uh-huh. I think she does a good job of um, repeating the movements closely enough that you don't notice it unless you're digging through it minute by minute. Like we are. I wonder how many takes she had to do of that scene. <laughs> and I wonder if you saw them all like a super cut of her arms and legs moving in different directions, <laughs> what that would look like. Just have them layered over each other and, you know, get kind of like a Hindu goddess thing with all the, the different arms and leg movements layered over the top of each other. I think that I would be fun to watch. <laughs> it's worth pointing out because I don't know that we're going to get a chance to talk too much about it this week. But I did just notice as I was kind of scanning back through at this point in the movie, and I think it's important that you keep track of this, at at this point in the movie, Daisy has eyes for Slater. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like one of the most enjoyable things of this movie is watching her essentially sleep through the entire production crew. <laughs> at yeah. this point in the movie, she clearly has identified still Slater 
as the person who she should train her laser focus on. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't notice that, but yeah, once you say that, there's definitely this moment as as the group of them are all huddled together watching. You know, she turns around and then she looks directly at Slater right behind her <laughs> with the big grin on her face. All right, so we end this minute on it with a shot of a film set on stage 24 in large letters on the side of the building. And I'm fairly certain that this is actually stage 24 on the Universal Studios lot, which some of the things that they filmed here was uh, the most of the later seasons of Here's Lucy. And Lucy's dressing room was actually across the, was like just across the way. Um, John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, Jurassic Park, specifically the raptors in the kitchen scene, and also a scene in the, the Lost World. And then we see this phone on a tripod, but it, it kind of cuts off. So I'll, I'll talk more about that later. It's always fun when you watch older movies and you actually see phones. <laughs> I think the yesterday, you know, you talked about how that kind of starts the second act. Um, and I, I feel like that minute with this minute, you know, where they start filming and they see the product of their filming uh, is just a nice little one, two of, okay, the ball's rolling. They're, they're doing this and we're, we're along for the ride. And uh, with them watching the dailies and then, you know, as it progresses over the next few minutes, um, I, th I think it does a great job of setting, you know, setting up the next part, uh, the next act, I guess is the best way to say that. Uh, and, you know, like we mentioned, just the happiness that they had and everything is, again, I'll say it, it's just a really good movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think I think this I think this movie has to work sort of on the two different levels for you. Like in some sense, this 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 minute has to literally convince you that this stupid idea might actually work. But it also works on sort of that other level of you realizing, no, this is a really stupid idea. Like the actual footage that they're producing is like laughably bad. <laughs> like, like you can, you can laugh at the, you can laugh at these folks and also root for them at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's all I have for this minute. Um, you know, thanks again for both of you to join me on this week of Bowfinger Minute. And Roger, why don't you go ahead and kick us off and let everybody else know where they can find you online. Oh, thanks so much. So you can find um, our my previous effort, Roadhouse Minute, uh, with my wife, Marcy, and me. Uh, anywhere you can find great podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, at The New Double Deuce, or we're on Twitter at, uh, at RH Minute. So check us out in one of those places, please. And Lance? I'm The Night Nerd, N-I-G-H-T, N-E-R-D, on all social media, all podcasting platforms. Just anywhere and everywhere out there um just talk about nerdy stuff and come come talk to me it's always fun thank you so much for letting me be part of this yeah no problem and i am your host bubba weed for this week and you can find me on uh, my podcast it's time to rewind you can also find my website flights tights and movie nights where i have written reviews of over 500 superhero and comic book movies you can find me on twitter where i'm at bubba weed 
And uh, you can find the Bowfinger Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, bowfingerminute.com. Please like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to join the discussion, be sure to join the Welcome to Minehead, the Bowfinger Minute Listener Center on Facebook, or follow the show on Twitter at Bowfinger Minute. Be sure to join us here next time on the Bowfinger Minute. In the meantime, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Keep it together, children. I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always one more.